0: You're listening to the latest preaching from Brixham Community Church. A couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago actually, I, I introduced the idea of eyes wide open, about having our eyes open. And I talked about the greatest con man, which is the devil, and we talked about Genesis chapter 3, and we talked about the idea that the, the enemy's first temptation was that we would be like God, that our eyes would be open, that we would know good and evil. And I said, what a temptation that is in so many of our lives. We want to know what's going on. And I said at that point, I've actually given up on five-year goals. I gave up on five-year goals five years ago. And here I am today in a better place than I would have been. And I'm all for goal setting and business plans. and, And if you don't aim for anything, you probably just drift off. And I'm all for that. But there's a sense in which there's so much unknown about our future. And in some situations, that's really frustrating and really difficult because we just don't know where we're going in life. And I want to tell you this morning, God's got a plan for your life, whether you know it or not. God's got great plans for you. They'd be different from everybody else, and they might not be to win the X Factor, be famous, or be the the most rich person in the world. They might not be your plans, but he has got plans for you that are just so amazing and and bespoke just for you that you just got to wait and be, be patient and trust him. But this first temptation is to be... Like God to know, uh, and and the, the enemy said to to Eve and to Adam who was with him, um, he he said um, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God. Your eyes will be opened. It's a temptation, and and in 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 our situations very often. We might look to the future, and it just seems veiled we 're not sure, and the older we get, the more we realize how unpredictable the future is and how out of control we are. I think it's about Proverbs sixteen where it says, um, people uh, can make their plans, but but God knows what's going to happen um, and and the more we go through life, we more realize, the more we realise that, that our future is just so actually so uncertain. We, we, we can't really be sure where we'll be in two years, three years, five years' time. Um, and, and it kind of makes us feel a little bit insecure sometimes. And then as we look to our past, we, we think, well, actually, um, when I look back at my past and I reinterpret my past sometimes, I don't always give a clear picture of what's happened either. You know, I sometimes twist the past, the story of the past, to make it sound a little bit better when I'm tell- retelling my story about what's happened. you ever sat with someone who's, who's told you a story of a situation that you were too part of as well, and, and the way they tell it, you think, well, actually, they've put their spin on it, haven't they? And we do that. We all do that. It's just a human thing. I think it's part of a survival thing just to keep some pride in ourselves. We, so, so with this kind of twisted view of the past and this veiled view of the future, we can feel lost in the present. We can feel lost in the moment. And it's in that lostness that the enemy can come in and promise to open our eyes. And so I wanted to talk again about this idea, and as we know, Abraham didn't have much of sorry Adam didn't have much of a past to think about, did he? but he had this big future, and he wanted to know what was going on but But one guy I wanted to talk about ten chapters on is Abraham or Abraham, as he's called at this time, and as I read this story recently. Um, I started to see some stuff about what you put your eyes on and what you do, what you do when you're lost in the moment where do you go when you feel a little bit lost the backstory for this is abram's been told to leave his his country and his family and his kinsfolk and go to the land God will show him. He doesn't know where it's going to be yet, but he gets to this promise where God will give him all of the land of Canaan and all of his um, descendants will inhabit the land. they will be a great nation and they will be a blessing to other nations. What a huge, huge promise. Well, there's famine in the land. And so Abram and his wife go down to Egypt and they make a bit of a mess of things, but God rescues them anyway. Even in their failings, God blesses them and they come away from Egypt, messing it all up, better off. That's the grace of God. They come back with a lot of uh, livestock and cattle and tents and and workers and all these things. So they're already growing and expanding, even though they've just come back from Egypt where they mess things up a little bit. And he's with his nephew, Lot, who's also being blessed. So what do you do when you're kind of lost? You've been sent to this place that God sent you, and then you kind of detour to Egypt to get the, because there's a famine. And then you come. Where do you go? The best place for you to go when you're lost in the present, caught between the past and the future, wondering what's going on, is to go back to the place of commitment, back to your altar, where you first made a sacrifice to God, where you first said to God, I'm going to give you everything. And this is where Abram Abram went back to. Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot was with him into the Negev. Now, Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. And he journeyed on from the Negev as far as Bethel. Bethel means house of God. He goes to the place that he has named Bethel, where he's had a revelation. Some of you need to go back to your place of revelation, maybe not physically to a place, but maybe in your heart. You need to go back to that that time. I remember when I was 14, uh, at Assemblies of God conference, feeling that God had called me to the ministry. And it wasn't until four years ago that I came into full-time church-based ministry, although I had ministry in school, I guess. Um, but some of us just need to go back to those moments, And and before that, I remember as a child saying yes to Jesus. I just want Jesus to be my Lord and my Saviour. And that sense of actually, to be honest with you, a fear of hell. You know, just, just that fear of what the consequences are if I don't turn to Jesus, to be blunt that was part of the story. Some of us need just to go back to our place of commitment. And I just believed as I was reading this that God was saying, come back to the altar. An altar is a place of sacrifice. It's something that you build, or you would build in those days, um, and you'd be able to go back to it because you've piled stone upon stone. It takes work, And and, and it's a place, it's a landmark, it's a mark in the sand, if you like. And it's a place where you, you sacrifice something to God and say, God, this is me saying all of me is yours. And we had some words this morning along those lines. Humble yourself before God. Come back to the altar. Come back to that place of commitment to God. You might have strayed into Egypt and you might have even messed up, but God wants to bless you. But you've got to come back to the altar. Come back to commitment And even to to sacrifice, because he sacrificed so much for us, we've got to be willing to sacrifice. So uh, between Bethel, to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, come back to the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he had made an altar at the first. And there, Abram called upon the name of the Lord. It's just an encouragement to some of us to get back to that place, Where it first started, you know. Sometimes, as as um, as a couple, it's nice to go back to some of those places where you first met, met, and to relive some of those moments. And I think God wants to do that with you as well. He wants to take you back to that first love. And in fact, um, as I was reading this, and I've never imagined I'd read Genesis thirteen and start thinking about Revelation, but it reminded me of the letter to the church in. Ephesus where it says, I know your works. And God says that to some of us. I think about some of you guys and some of the stuff you've done in your life and the, the things you do just to help other people, some amazing people in this congregation. And God would say, I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil but have tested but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know you're enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary." I think there's people in here who haven't grown. They just kept declaring the name of Jesus. They come here every week, week on week, listening to the worship, but not just listening, but joining in and saying, I'm not going to grow weary despite what's going on. But God said to this particular church and maybe to one or two of us today, but I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. You've, You've lost your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, Repent, and we heard that word quite a bit this morning as well, and do the works you did at first. I believe those works are just to fall in love again with Jesus. He's calling us to intimacy with him. He's certainly been calling me like, at a personal level to intimacy. He's he's just for a season, I believe he's been saying to me, John, I don't want you to have a five-year goal. I want you to just draw near to me and be my friend. That's all I want you to do. You don't have to have this big charismatic vision for Brixham Community Church. Just be my friend. That's all I want from you right now, John. Just be my friend. And I believe that's the works that God is calling some of us back to, to to strive to enter that rest where we're in the place where we sit at Jesus' feet and we just love him for who he is. Yes, he's the healer. Yes, he's the redeemer. Yes, he's the provider of all our prosperity. But let's not look to the gift more than we look to the giver. Let's just be his friend. Let's let's just go on that prayer walk and not feel like I've got a prayer list, but I've got a prayer life. And I'm just walking with Jesus. And and just for no point at all, just, just acknowledge his presence and know that he is there without the requests without even feeling like you've got to concoct some clever sentence declaring his glory, just to know his presence, to call on his presence. Maybe quietly to speak in tongues if you've been given that gift and if you haven't, to pray for it. Because there's a way of of having intimacy with God. There's a way of communing with the Holy Spirit just to be his friend, to come back to the altar, to the place of sacrifice, to come back to the beginning, come back to your first love. I believe God's asking some of us to do that, as he has been to me. If not, I will come to you, says Jesus, and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Now, the lampstand, I believe what that means, you can look it up, there's different interpretations, but the the church is like a a light to the world. And it's like if you don't have this first love thing, you're just going to lose your light in the world. You're going to lose your effectiveness. Your light's going to go out. And um, being honest, I believe there are churches around the world where the light has gone out. They still meet, but the light has gone out. Because people have lost their first love. They've not gone back to that altar, that first place of commitment and that that first love with Jesus. And that's what Abram did. And I think it's out of that that God will start to reveal things to us because the overarching theme of these two talks has been about opening our eyes. And I believe there are things God wants to open our eyes to. But we're tempted to want to know the story and the plan and the goal and all this sort of thing. It's like we want to call the shots as to what we see about the future and about the now, but God's going to open your eyes to something that is so much more than you would ever ask for. It's going to be amazing. And Lot, who went with Abram, that's Abram's nephew, also had flocks and herds and tents so that at the, la- so the lands could not support both of them dwelling together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. At that time, the Canaanites and Perizzites were dwelling in the land. So there's not room. This this land ain't big enough for the two of us and all our flocks, herds, livestock and people. Then Abram said to Lot, Let there be no strife between you and me and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we're kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you? separate yourself from me. Interesting that nobody said, let's get rid of some possessions so we can carry on living together. See, I I think possessions are a blessing, and I I do believe in prosperity. I believe God wants us all to prosper. But sometimes material blessings are a test. And I don't know what God wanted Abram to say, and maybe it was right that all this happened, but just a thought he could have said, and I'm not criticizing Abram because he's a greater man than me and all that sort of thing, but he could have said, or someone could have at least brought up the question of, forget possessions, let's, let's get rid of some so we can carry on living together. But you'd all do that, wouldn't you? you would, you'd, you'd easily let go of money and not worry about money just to keep the friendship going uh, in, 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 instead of family. You'd make family more important, wouldn't you? Yeah is not the whole land before you separate yourself from me, separate yourself from me if you take the left i 'll go to the right or if you go to the right then i 'll go to the left that 's quite quite humble actually of Abram to give lot the choice to let him decide and uh, and, and wise as well because in in a sense what Abram is doing is he is putting family first he's saying right well, let's not argue let 's find a, a solution so that family is still important we're going to make sure the friendship continues so Lot lifted up his eyes we're talking about opening our eyes I want us to think about what is it that you see when you lift up your eyes and what is it you look at and what is it you look for when you lift up your eyes and look to the future what is it you're looking for Because when Lot lifted up his eyes, he saw that the Jordan Valley was well-watered everywhere like the Garden of the Lord, the place of the first temptation that we talked about last time. Like the land of Egypt, the place that was fertile but they messed up in. In the direction of Zoar, that was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley and Lot journeyed east. Thus, they separated from each other. And I think the writer here, when you look at the next slide, is deliberately drawing a parallel, not a parallel, a, con- a contrast between Lot and Abram. Lot lifted up his eyes and chose for himself. I just, think, I just want to think about that for a little while. He lifted up his eyes, he opened his eyes and chose for himself. That's what it says there. It's, it's there word for word, he chose for for himself. Verse 11. It's quite dangerous, I think, for us to do that. When we look to the future, we lift up our eyes and we chose for ourselves. Let's contrast Abram and see what he does. Abram settled in the land of Canaan. Well, actually, interesting that Lot chose that fertile ground uh, and and Canaan is the promised land, the land that God had promised to Abram. So Abram ends up living where God has promised that he's going to be a great nation one day anyway, which is um, interesting. While Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. I just want to say that's a dangerous thing to do. If you see that as a parallel as how we can live our lives, it's a dangerous thing to pitch your tent near Sodom, if you like, somewhere that is wicked, and evil, you could say um, that you're a righteous person and you 're going to be a light and you 're going to be a, a, an influence, but you get too close to the world or too close to the wickedness, and it will influence you if you 're not meant to be there, if you 're not actually called to be in that darkness. the darkness can um, overcome you now Lot was a good guy. it says in second Peter that Lot was a righteous man, so we know Lot's a good guy, he 's a righteous man, but even the most righteous of people if they get too close to the world, it's just where your walk is, isn't it? If you walk too close to the world, it will draw you in. And you find out in the next chapter, which we won't read, um, Abram has to to rescue Lot, but by then Lot is living in Sodom. It doesn't take long. In fact, Abram finds him at the city gates, which is where people of influence sat. So Lot could be saying, well, I'm a righteous person in, in in an unrighteous town, but Just don't kid yourself. You know, we're all human. We can be easily led. We can easily be led astray. So that's what Lot chose for himself. But Abram settled in the promised land, even though it wasn't on the surface as fertile and as attractive the Lord said to Abram, after Lot, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes. There we are again. We're opening our eyes. This is why this passage struck me. It was twice. Lot lifted up his eyes and chose for himself. Abram waited. He, he, he let Lot go. And then the Lord came to him and the Lord showed him what to look at. So when, when Abram lifts up his eyes to see, it's under the Lord's direction. So when we look to our future, we're asking God to tell us where to look. Where am I going to point my head? I could be standing facing this way and I I can, if I've got good mobility, I can look left and right in both directions. I've got a 180 degree, probably wider viewpoint. Where am I going to look? God, where do you want me to look? I'm standing here in the present. I've come from over there, but where do you want me to look? In fact, if I twist, I can see all the way back. Do I go back? Do I go forward? Do I go left? Do I go right? Or do I just stay at the altar in the house of God and wait for further instructions? He is in the waiting. He's in the waiting. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward, and westward for all the land you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. Abram's got no kids, by the way, at this time. Quite a promise. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring can also be counted. Arise, walk through the length and breadth of the land. It's just that's a big walk, because he just said all directions. It's also a walk of faith, because none of it yet belongs to Abram, and he doesn't have. He doesn't have his Isaac. Never mind all the um, people that will come from that family tree. For I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre. Mamre is a person um, who was an, allied with Abram in the past, which are at Hebron, and there. What does he do? He's gone from his altar because God's directed him and God's told him where to lift his eyes up to. God has opened his eyes. This is not the devil tempting you saying, eat the fruit and your eyes will be open. This is just following God's instruction. This is, I've humbled myself at the altar. I've gone back to the beginning. I've gone back to the start where where I had my first love with Jesus. I'm sitting at Jesus' feet. And in that moment, God has moved me on. And what am I going to do here? I'm going to build an altar. It's all about submission. It's all about humbling yourself. We've heard about it in the worship. Humble yourself and he will lift you up. He will surely lift you up as you humble yourself. He builds an altar. He makes a sacrifice. God, this move is about you. This move is all about you. Meanwhile, Lot is moving closer and closer to Sodom. So back in Genesis 3, we saw that your eyes would be open, says the devil, as soon as you eat the fruit and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And that is our temptation. We want to know stuff. We want to know right from wrong. We want to know what the right plan is. And actually, that's a God-given desire but the enemy taps into it and leads us into counterfeit methodologies for finding God's plan because we want the quick fix. We want the glossy answer. We don't always like God's plan. We don't always like the the path that he has for us. But God does want our eyes to be opened. So two more short passages, one very short. Look, that's how short it is. There you go. Ephesians 1. I keep asking that God that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Why do we need wisdom? Why do we need revelation? So that we can go and conquer the earth with this great plan? First and foremost, it's so that you may know him better. Come back to the first love. Wisdom is to know Christ better. Revelation is so that we can be more more understanding of what's going on when we take communion. We know him better. That's the revelation you need to get a hold of. Not where are we going and where will we be in five years' time. I pray that the eyes of your heart May be enlightened. God, open my eyes in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance. Abram, look east, look west, north, and south. It's all going to be yours. And I'm praying that God will open our eyes so that we can see the riches of the inheritance that He has for us as individuals and for us as a church as we move forward together and His incomparably great power for us who believe. Do we believe this morning? Do we believe he has great power? Do we believe that his power is incomparably great? You know, there's so many powers out there. There's politicians' power and there's nuclear power and there's, there's, there's our own certain power that we try and lean on sometimes, but nothing compares with the power of God and he just wants us to sit at his feet to rebuild the altar to perhaps move back to the beginning maybe some of us have strayed into egypt maybe some of us have strayed towards sodom maybe some of us need to just go back to the beginning or maybe for some of us we we we're still there we're just sitting at his feet i would encourage you to stay there it was 400 years before they conquered the the, the promised land god's timing is not like ours it was 400 years before they entered into the promised land, that land where uh, Abram built that altar. God's timing is not like ours. He, he told you where you were going, but he didn't tell you when you'd get there. A bit like one of Mark Goodyear's walks. And this other thing I, I just wanted to throw in, just this wonderful passage I I guess I'd set it for homework to go go away and read 2 Kings chapter 6 where you where you hear of Elisha um, saying to his servant who is worried about this army he says to this servant don't worry there's more on our side than on their side and it's like clearly in the natural that is not the case And and then Elisha prays to God God just open his eyes let him see what you've let me see And he sees the angel's armies on their side. If God before us, who can be against us? And I just pray that God would open our eyes to the truth of the riches that we have. Like Paul was saying earlier, we're seated with Christ. We're either at the gates of hell or we're seated with Christ. And we are seated with Christ if we've accepted him as our saviour. I just pray that he would open my eyes so I could appreciate that more, so that it becomes less and less just like head knowledge, but the spiritual reality becomes greater than the physical reality around me. So three points. Number one, come back to the altar. Some of us want to just get back to that first love and go back to the place of sacrifice and commitment. God, I am yours. Let us then offer ourselves as living sacrifices. That is our reasonable acts of worship. And then while we're at the altar, enjoying his presence, coming back to our first love, let God show you. Let him open your eyes. Don't look around. Don't start scouring the internet for the answers. You know, maybe you feel like you're going you're gonna to move house one day and you, you, your house isn't big enough. So you start going through right move or zoopla over and over again, looking for that house. Don't do that unless you feel like this is actually the time. You know, I'm not saying don't use those things. All I'm trying to say is if you've got to feel like and you, something's, you're ready for a change, don't try and force the change is all I'm trying to say. Just sit at the altar and wait and let God lead you maybe you maybe you feel like god's um and this isn't for everyone in here i know but maybe you feel like god's got a husband or a wife for you just sit at his, this is a massive act of trust you know i just thank god that andrew and i met when we did and we together and everything and i we we've had friends who haven't been married for a very long time and they want to be and they don't even have a partner of any sort and we, we've walked with people who, for, for whom that is a massive, massive problem. And I know, I, I'm not belittling it. But don't force the answer going through the dating apps, swiping through. Come to the altar, sit at Jesus' feet, fall in love with your first love. It's so easy to try and make things happen for ourselves and try and see the future the way we want it to be. Let God show you. Let Him open your eyes. And number three, be willing to wait. I mentioned it was 400 years that we had to wait to get into the promised land. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit brixham.church.